Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Cyber Church Ministry from Impact Ministries here in Huntsville, Alabama. I know this is the day before Christmas. You may not be watching this because I'm sure you've got better things to do. But you know something? If you don't get to watch this at Christmas, you can watch it after Christmas, and it's still going to be incredibly, incredibly beneficial to you because, you know, I'm just going to minister out of my heart. I'm going to share some of my personal experiences of dealing with negative emotions in the holidays. You may be having to work through some of this, and if Christmas didn't go like you wanted it to go because of the economy, then maybe you're struggling, and maybe you're not really able to enjoy these holidays as much as you would want to. So I'm going to be sharing some incredibly personal things with you, and I hope it's going to be an encouragement and help to you because I'm going to show you how I walked out of what was the worst, most depressive time of the year for me. So be sure and come back and join me. We're going to dive right into it. If you haven't gotten your free download, Experiencing Tomorrow's Miracle Today, be sure and get it. I'll tell you, if you struggled through the holidays, if you struggled for Christmas, you might need a miracle in your life, in your emotions, or in your finances. Be sure and download this today. All right, I'm Jim Richards, and I would just want to thank you so much for being here. You know, this is the day before Christmas. You may be listening to this before Christmas. You may be listening to this after Christmas, but I'm just going to share some things based on this concept of thankfulness. I've said this before, and some of what I'm going to say is a reminder, but then I'm going to share some really personal stuff. Remember, thankfulness is more about focusing on what you do have and experiencing genuine gratitude and expressing genuine thankfulness. It's more about that than it is about getting more things. You know, everybody can be thankful when they're getting more stuff. Everybody can be thankful when more things go right. But that doesn't mean you're actually a thankful or grateful person. See, a grateful person or a thankful person is a person who, no matter what the situation, inherently finds reasons to give thanks. They inherently look for the good things. You know, in this series, The Miraculous Power of Thankfulness, I talk about the fact that, you know, the Bible says very clearly, it says to rejoice in all things, and it says, and to give thanks, always be thankful, because this is the will of God for you. It's always the will of God for you to be thankful. Now, Man, we could spend hours, and in other programs I do, you know, my heart physics programs, I go into this stuff, talk about this stuff. We could spend hours talking about what happens to us neurologically whenever we are in a state of gratitude, whenever we're noticing and looking for the things that are going right. It changes everything about how our body works. Now, neurologically, you are going to experience today very few abiding emotions based on what's happening today. Most of what you're going to experience today is going to be based on what happened in the past. And based on what has happened in the past, you're going to look at what's happening today and you're going to have what's called associative memories. In other words, you're going to make an association between what's in front of you today 
and what you experienced in the past. You know, you could be a person who's had destructive relationships and you could meet the perfect person. You know, you don't know they're the perfect person because you're just meeting them. They could be the person that really could provide you with a life of joy and happiness and love beyond your wildest imaginations. That would help you succeed in everything that you do. That would be your soulmate, the love of your life for all of your days. But if you met that person and they reminded you of someone else, then you would begin to view, judge, and relate to that person as if they were this person from your past. Now, what if this person from your past is somebody who had negatively affected you? What if this person from your past is somebody who really, really hurt you? And maybe you don't even know why. You know, I had this conversation just the other day with someone. They were talking about someone that they met, and they said, you know, I'm just having trouble connecting to this person. Oh, actually, it was my daughter. She had been in the hospital. She had surgery. And she was telling me about this nurse. And it was technically, she was the best nurse on the team and did more to help my daughter get out of pain after surgery, did more to assist her. My daughter said, I don't know what it was about her. I just didn't really like her. I just couldn't get comfortable with her. And I said, well, I said, actually, I knew this was going to happen. I said, because I was there before you woke up and I met her and she reminds you of so-and-so. And I told her about a person from our past that just used to just cause trouble and stir up strife and was hard to deal with, and was always difficult, was always overbearing. And this person had a lot of the body language, facial expressions, and tone of voice as this person from her past. So here's the person that's helping her more than any other nurse, but she's struggling being comfortable with her. That's the way we are in relationships. That's the way we are in some job situations. You know, we can blow up the perfect job just because we're feeling something. And we think that the feeling is about that person. We think that the feeling is about that particular moment. Well, it's not about that moment. It's about some moment from the past. Well, you say, what's this got to do with Christmas? Well, I'll tell you what. For me, I struggled with holidays. You know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, just the whole holiday season. I struggle with that for years and years and years and years. And honestly, you know, uh, I would go into depression. Now, it wasn't the kind of depression where I'd go lock myself in my room and, and this sort of thing. Now, when I was young, before I gave my life to the Lord, what I would usually do, when I was a kid, Christmas was filled with nothing but hope deferred. I'll go into some of those issues of childhood, but I want you to understand, as I got older, I just kind of hardened my heart to the holidays and just said, oh man, this is a waste, it's a bunch of nonsense, and didn't enjoy it no matter where I was, no matter what was going on, I was never comfortable. And then, you know, by the time I got to be a teenager, I started drinking and later started doing drugs, you know, basically, I would just get drunk or get high about, you know, somewhere around November and would stay drunk or high until somewhere around February. And basically, that was my way of managing the holiday season, my emotions during the holiday season. Well, after I gave my life to the Lord, you know, I didn't want to do that. But 
I would still struggle. And I'll tell you, as the holidays would get closer, I would get more uncomfortable. As the holidays would get closer, I would have depressed kind of feelings. Now, I didn't walk around in doom or gloom. Really, nobody could probably notice it you know, on the outside. But I'm telling you, it was a struggle for me. And uh, my wife, man, she would have these great Thanksgiving dinners, and we would invite our family. And, you know, and one of the things that we did in our ministry for years and years and years Actually, from the time Brenda and I got married, every holiday we always have invited people into our home that did not have a family to spend time with. And for years, when we had a large enough facility to do this, on Thanksgiving and on Christmas, we had a meal where we would serve 100, 150, sometimes 200 people that would come in because Huntsville's a city where people come in and, and they don't have relatives here. They're military. They get shipped in here and they're just here for a few years and then they're gone. And so we really tried to minister to our people. So I found great purpose and great solace in ministering to these people and helping these people. But inwardly, there was still this incredible struggle that I went through. And I'll tell you, on Christmas morning, most of my life on Christmas morning, the honest truth is I would have just preferred to stay in bed. I would have preferred for everybody to leave me alone. I would have preferred just, you know, Brenda, you and the kids go down, open your presents, wake me up when it's over. That's really what I would have preferred. And really, you know, depression is an interesting thing. Depression and anger are cousins, and some people have said that de basically depression is when you're angry toward yourself. I don't know if that's really true, but I know this. I know that as the holidays would approach, it would go from stressful feelings to depressive feelings uh, to anger. And I'll tell you, on Christmas morning, I would get up, and honestly, it just took the grace of God to keep me from being explosive. Now, I did everything that I could to try to make it where my kids and my wife and my friends could have you know great holidays and have great experiences, and I'm I'm really really thankful for that. But it was just an incredible struggle for years and years and years and years. Well, you know what? None of that was based on what was happening in front of me. None of that was based on what my wife is doing. None of that was based on having bad experiences. You know, my wife is incredible at creating great holiday experiences, great holiday memories. And so, you know, there might have been financial stress. Well, there was financial stress several times, but the financial stress really should not have affected me that way. There's ways, you know, that I learned to manage it later on, but there was really no reason. But I'll tell you something, whether it's Christmas and the holidays or whether it's just your life and you get up and you go to work and you don't like work or you, you know, you can't have the kind of relationships that you want to have and you meet people that you don't like them right off the bat or, or whatever, I want you to know that most of what you're experiencing today has little or nothing to do with what's happening today. And even if something bad is happening, it's probably getting magnified based on things that have happened in the past and beliefs that you developed. Listen, I'm going to share with you how to get out of this, so be sure and come right back in a few minutes. The Miraculous Power of Thankfulness is not just a CD series. It is a life transformation program because in this series, you're going to get tools that are going to help you Learn how to focus in on the very best things in life. If in every situation you can find and experience the best that's available for you at that moment, it's going to transform your life like nothing you've ever experienced. It'd be a great Christmas present for yourself.
you know, sometimes you wonder, how do I get to the place where my life gets so crazy? How do I get to where I just I can't really enjoy things that I should be able to enjoy? Well, for me, and your situation could be totally different, or I've met many people that it was identical. You know, for me, from earliest childhood, holidays basically were the time that my father, or later on my stepfather, were going to get drunk, and we're going to find some way to absolutely destroy the holidays. And usually somewhere in there, my mother was going to get beat up and the house was going to get torn to pieces. And so anytime there was going to be gatherings or times that should be celebrations, they always, always turned negative. And all of my life, my mother worked and my dad and later on my stepdad, you know, they really contributed very little to the quality of our family life. They drank up all the money. They ran around, uh, you know, cheated and did all these other things. And so my mother really was the one that sustained the family, that put groceries on the table and made sure that what little we had, you know, it was there, the survival stuff that we had to have. So, you know, what would happen would be, you know, my mom would try to hide back money and put back money so that when the holidays would come, we could have, you know, a decent Christmas. Well, you know, if my dad or my stepdad ever found the money, and many times they were looking for it, you know, they would get it, they'd go drink it up, and bam, we'd have nothing for Christmas. And I'm sure I had more good Christmases than this, but actually as a child, I can only remember one good Christmas. And it, it was one of the times that my dad had gone, he wasn't anywhere around, you know, he would leave for months at a time. He wasn't anywhere around. It was just my mom and my brother and my sister. And, you know, and even first to have a good Christmas that year, my grandmother had to pitch in and she had to help us. But I just remember it was the only good Christmas I can ever, ever, ever remember. But, uh, you know, uh, the next Christmas after that, my mother ended up in the hospital and, uh, and we were penniless. And now, fortunately, my grandmother, my, my crazy grandmother, as you heard me talk about, she did some great things for her. She did some very kind things, even though she was mentally tormenting to me. But she helped us make sure we had a, some kind of Christmas presents and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, that's the way it was every year. I mean, nearly every year, my mom would be saving back money. She'd get her hopes up and she would be planning on trying to give us some kind of Christmas. And as often as not, the, you know, the money would get drunk up, you know, by my stepdad and, you know, it would turn out to just be horrible. And so even as a child, and you know, I don't even think my brother and sister even knew this, but you know, as a young child, there were actually two Christmases where my brother and sister got presents and I didn't. And in both of those situations, it was where my stepfather ended up drinking up the money and so... You know, mom was only able to buy what she could buy. And she always did her very best. She always tried to give us the very best. And, you know, there may have been Christmases where they didn't get stuff that I didn't know about. So it's not like I was, you know, punished any more than the others. But, you know, as time went by and as we got older, basically, like I say, my stepfather, when he got drunk, he wanted to fight. And every holiday, you could just count on, you know, it's going to start out festive and a lot of fun. Everybody's going to be sitting around the dinner table and they're going to be drinking and talking. And before long, uh, my stepdad was going to get mad about something. He was going to beat up one of our relatives or one of our guests. And then if my mom said anything, he was going to beat her up. And then, you know, the house is going to get tore up. And, you know, it was just horrible. It was just horrible. So you leave that environment. And you get down the road years later, and this is what you got to understand. You know, Jesus said in John 20, he says, whosoever sins you, know, you remit, they shall be remitted. 
whosoever sins you retain, they shall be retained. And we read that and we think that this is talking about a discussion about whether or not a man like the Pope or some minister can forgive somebody else's sins in behalf of God. That has nothing to do with this. Nobody can forgive your sins other than God. But See, sins and trespasses, these are offenses that happen in your life and cause you to stumble. And see, the word forgive means to send away. And when the hurt comes to us, we focus on the person. We focus on the person that did these things to us rather than focus on how we're feeling, rather than focus on what's going on inside of us. So we're angry at that person. Sometimes we get as violent and crazy as they get, or we get reactionary, and we do even more destructive things. But Jesus is saying when offenses come, when people trespass against you, when people sin against you or make you feel less than you really are, he said, you've got two choices and there is not a choice number three. Choice number one is you can forgive. Now, see, we think about forgiveness as I'm going to forgive, I forgive you in the name of Jesus. We're going to be buddies. I'm going to trust you again. I'm going to act like nothing ever happened. That has nothing to do with forgiveness. Matter of fact, you know, a lot of these people, you need to forgive them, but you don't need to trust them. You need to forgive them. But if they're abusive, you don't need to be going around them continually. You know, but forgiveness, the word forgive comes from a word that means to send away. Now, you talk about, what do you mean send away? Now, some of you have heard me talk about this stuff before, but I want to tell you something. We need to send away these feelings of anger, of disappointment, of hope deferred, of sadness, of depression. We need to send them away. And the quicker you send them away, the easier they are to deal with. In other words, if something happens and somebody offends you and a negative emotion comes up, I got news for you. You either silently do it inwardly right then or you walk away from that person and you immediately send that away. And the best thing to do is then begin to pray for them. You know, pray for them. The Bible says, you know, who do evil to you? Bless those who curse you. Do good to them. And pray for them because they need God in their life. You say, well, I don't want God. I don't want them to be blessed. They need to be blessed because the only way they're going to stop doing hurtful things is when they are blessed, when they experience the love and the acceptance of God. But you've got to send away this offense. And if you don't send away this offense, then Jesus said you can send it away or you can retain it. That's all. In other words, you can let go of it. You can hold on to it. And there's not another choice. So what happens if I hold on to an offense? What happened? And as a child, we didn't know we could do this. You didn't know you could do this. All the things that have happened in your life, nobody told you you could send away these things. Well, you know, the truth is, even after you got saved, nobody told you you could send these things away. And so you feel like there's something wrong with you that you keep revisiting these negative emotions or these hurts or even these angers that you have toward people. And you think, oh my God, there's something wrong with you. No, there's all that's wrong with you is nobody told you the truth about what you can do with this pain and with this sorrow. You can send it away. Now, if we send it away immediately, I'm telling you, you can get over anything instantaneously, anything. And I have found in my life, man, when I'm struggling with somebody, even when it's their fault and they've done, or in my perception, it's their fault, it may not really be, but, but even when I perceive it to be their fault and I've been treated unfairly, you know what? I have found it doesn't matter what it is. The moment I send it away, the moment I choose to forgive them, the moment I begin to bless them and pray for them, I'm telling you, it changes. Everything in me changes. And suddenly what was tormenting me and vexing me and hurting me for days or weeks, it just goes away. 
man, I'm telling you what, I'm so thankful for the way God created us that we have the authority and the right to do these things. Now, here's the thing, though. If you don't send this away, then basically, because you have authority, God gave us authority over that which pertains to us. So I don't have authority over anybody else. You know, I can't claim any rights toward anyone else. The moment you start trying to claim your rights as it affects other people, you are in the place of manipulation. You are in the place of control. You're in the place of something's going to end, end evil, no matter what rights you think you have. All I have the right to deal with is me. And so if I don't deal with this stuff when it happens, then because God gave me authority, then basically every part of my being, my mind, my brain, however you want to look at it, or my heart basically says, well, if you're not sending this pain away, then obviously you want to hold on to it. You're saying, but I don't want to hold on to it. That's not the point. If you don't use your authority for good, then by default, chaos comes. The Bible says that in the book of Proverbs, he who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is brother to him who commits suicide. And so if I'm not using my endeavors to heal myself, by default, I am using my endeavors to kill myself, to commit suicide. And so what starts happening, these become a part of our, actually our cellular memories. They get stored in some part of our body. And Paul talked about how these things war in our body, in our flesh. When the Bible talks about your flesh, it's talking about your body. These things war in your body. And so what happens is then you try to have a good holiday or you try to have a good birthday or you try to have a good relationship. And it's not just that you think these things, it's that all of these feelings come up from within you and they don't even make sense. And you take them out on the person that's in front of you. You destroy the happiness that you could have in this moment. And all of it is based on what's called associative memories. And, you know, this is why the Bible says you got to guard your heart. Well, I got news for you. The best way you can guard your heart, see, all of your issues of life, your issues, in other words, the quality, what comes out of your life, what comes up in your life, but also the boundaries in your life, all of it comes out of your heart. The greatest thing you can do to your heart, number one, is avoid situations that are negative and destructive. Even that means avoiding people you love. Even that means staying away from certain friends. That's just what you got to do. So if they offend you, if they hurt you, or if you tend to go to negative, destructive places, you don't need to be around them. But then the second thing that you got to do is the moment you feel an offense, you have got to send that offense away. Because I'm going to tell you something, as it becomes a part of your cellular memory, as it becomes a part of your identity, eventually it gets harder and harder and harder to overcome these. Not because it's hard to do, but because it's hard for you to let it happen. As a matter of fact, once something becomes a part of your identity, hey, I'm Jim Richards, you know, I just hate the holidays. See, now that's a part of my identity. Once it becomes a part of my identity, I don't want to let it go. I know. I might want to let the pain go. I might want to let certain negative aspects of it go. But now that it's incorporated into my sense of who I am, there's some part of me that needs to hold on to this. Listen, come back from a mentoring moment so I can give you some specific steps to take to get past this. Listen, even though it's Christmas Eve or past Christmas, download my free series, Creating Happy Holidays. This will help you even deal with the holidays, even though they're already over. It's a gift to you. I want you to have it. I want to bless you. I want your future holidays to be better.
You know, Jesus told us to go and make disciples of the whole world. And disciples are people who know the truth about who God is, who see God as He really is and are able to follow the teachings of Jesus, not based on legalism or law, but on love and peace and find the wholeness of life. Every year in December, we give you a great discount on all of our materials because so many times people contact us, they want to give these materials to their friends and loved ones. You know, this is a time when you can take the book, The Gospel of Peace or Apocalypse or any of my series, even our heart physics programs, you can get at a discount. So it's a Christmas present to yourself. But this is the opportunity to give the people you love something that will transform the way they see God which means it'll transform the way they're experiencing God. And they can start this journey of being disciples who live and follow the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and experience life at its best. You know, one of the first things you got to do to get over the past is you've got to set some intentions about what you want the future to look like. You can't just say, okay, I don't want to feel this way. I don't want to feel bad. I don't want, you know, you've got to set some intentions. One of the things you want to do with the holidays is you want to say, why would I celebrate Thanksgiving? Why would I celebrate Christmas? Why would I celebrate my birthday? I hated my birthdays. I never liked any holiday. I hated them because of all the pain of the past. So you can't establish intention, and intention is such an important factor. And even though you don't really see that word in the English Bible of the New Testament, intention is a major factor in influencing your heart and creating faith. As a matter of fact, you won't get into faith without true intention. So I had to define why I was willing to even participate in Thanksgiving, why I was willing to even participate in Christmas, why I was even willing to let my family, my kids, you know, celebrate my birthday. Why am I willing to do this? And the great thing is you don't have to do it for anybody else's reasons. You don't, it doesn't matter why your parents did it. And you and your spouse, if you're married, sit down and talk about what do we want our holidays to be. Now, you're always going to bring some traditions in, but you can make your own new traditions. After you decide what you want this holiday to look like, after you decide what you want it to be, Then you've got to decide, how do I want to feel? How do I choose to feel? It's not just how do I want to see it, how do I choose to see it, and how do I choose to feel during this process? And then you've got to make a, just get down in your heart zone, get in a meditative, relaxed state, prayerful state, and just like, in the name of Jesus, I send this depression or this anger, whatever it is away, I send away the pain of the past, And you got to make that real. And and as much as you want to experience letting it go, and you want to experience, imagine, think about what it's going to look like. Rehearse in your mind what Christmas morning is going to be like. Even if you're not going to have gifts, even if you're so broke you can't have gifts, create the reality in your heart, and the grace of God is going to come alive inside you to have a better holiday. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com, with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.